Hey everyone, it's Laura Hutchinson. Welcome back to Love God and Neighbor. I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to give a little intro to this second sermon in a sermon series titled, Why Are We Here? And I'm doing this, it starts out, it started out as a stewardship campaign plan, but I quickly um, was led to the idea that rather than talking about stewardship and tithing and money, which can get really difficult sometimes, it felt right to just spend this month exploring with our church what it is that God intends for the church. Why does the church exist? Why are we here? You know, in theological or in uh, churchy terms, it's called ecclesiology, which is the study of the church or theology of the church. But, um, but we're trying to figure out why does the why did God create the church in the first place that Pentecost day why does our congregation exist and what is our purpose why are we even here why do we go to church why do we do the things that we do and we are learning that it's not really just about us where so often we think that going to church has to do with what we need and what we want and what we're whether we're being fed um and that is important but What's really important is that we grow together as a community who believe and love Jesus Christ and God through Jesus Christ. And so we are exploring our purpose. Um, I hope that you find this helpful because it's not just about First Christian Church. This is about all churches. This is about all Christians. This is about all believers who God has empowered with the Holy Spirit to share the good news with the rest of the world. I am feeling very uh, touched by God lately, very inspired um, and overwhelmed by God's Holy Spirit, and um, I hope that that comes out in this sermon. I hope that you are blessed and that you uh, feel the love of God every day, and I encourage you to spend some time with God. If you have to, carve it out of the secular world, carve that time out, and just spend some time with God. You won't regret it. Love you. Bye. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you, your children, and all who are far away. The promise of grace is for the whole world. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added to the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now last week we saw in the Ephesians text that the main reason that God created the body of Christ was to equip, equip the believers in Jesus Christ to spread the good news to the world. We explored some of the ways that the church has gotten off track and ways to bring things back to God's original purpose. And so today we continue the sermon series, Why Are We Here? I'm so grateful that all of you are here to be here with us together today. 
Let us pray. One and only God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Now, I imagine that there are probably a lot of folks who would hear my sermons or any other minister's sermons and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every minister wants me to study the Bible. Every minister says I should pray. And every minister thinks I should go to church, right? And they might think I don't need to do any of that. I already know God, and more importantly, God knows me. I don't need to pray. God already already knows my thoughts. God knows what I need. I don't need to go to church to be with God because God is everywhere. I'm just going to go hiking. If you're thinking those things, you might be right about some of those details. God does know our thoughts and deeds, and God goes before us in life to prepare a way before we even realize he's there. But God craves a relationship with us that can only come from quality time spent with our creator in prayer. And God is everywhere and all. I love to spend time with God in nature. I really do. But the Holy Spirit of God was given to the church specifically And that is where you're going to find God's presence most fully represented. But most importantly, if you're thinking those things, you have missed the main idea, the main purpose of being a part of a worshiping, praying, studying, loving community. And that is, as we started to discuss last week, that we gather to become stronger in our knowledge and our faith so that our witness So the world becomes stronger. We gather to become stronger in our faith and in our knowledge so that our witness to the world becomes stronger. Because none of this ultimately is about us. And yet, at the same time, it is about us. It's about our individual personal connections to the God that grows stronger when we are in relationship with other people of faith. So let me read to you the scripture that comes immediately after what we've already read this morning. It says, awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This chapter in Acts is all about the power of God as witnessed in the Holy Spirit, which is what empowers the church to spread the gospel and is what allows others to see the truth of the gospel. 
We can tell someone by ourselves about God and about what God has done, but it is the Holy Spirit that allows people to see the truth in that message. The Holy Spirit is enlivened in groups of believers when those believers actively engage with the Spirit in their midst. It's almost like when people gather to pray together, to read the Word of God together, to worship together, to celebrate together, to mourn together, to break bread together, the strength of God's Spirit in our midst grows bigger, stronger, and more accessible. the real reason why I get so excited when I see all of you in church on Sunday. Because it seems that I can feel God's presence more powerfully when more of us are here. And that, well, and I just like seeing you because I like you. And I get excited when I get to be around you. Now notice how it says in verse 46, day by day as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It does not say, day by day they stood on street corners asking people if they were saved. Amen? Nor does it say that they went door-to-door handing out flyers, inviting people to come to church, although that's a nice thing. And it doesn't say that they invested in a new sign with a digital marquee. No, it said that day by day, they spent a lot of time together. And they ate together. And they worshipped God together. And the community around them noticed. And the Spirit drew the people in. Now, I am not saying in any way that the church isn't called to go out into the world. We absolutely are. What I'm saying is that evangelism begins with a strong spiritual foundation that is born in a dedicated community of faith. In 2014, here at First Christian Church, we took our first Sabbath year. Many of you were here for that. This congregation at that time was overworked, worn out, and run down. And so we dedicated ourselves to worship, prayer group, Bible studies, and simple small group fellowship times that filled us up and didn't stress us out. That year, everyone came to church to simply spend time with God and to spend time with people who loved God and who loved them. And through that year, we had 15 people join the church. To some churches, that is small potatoes. But as I was pretty new at that point, I had to be informed that this was an unprecedented growth spurt for First Christian Church. Before that year, membership had remained somewhat stagnant for quite a while. And though almost all the members of this church were working themselves into exhaustion, the church was not growing. And we see that the scripture says, day by day as they spent much time together, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad, generous hearts. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound really nice? They spent a lot of time together. 
They broke bread and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. It reminds me of a big banquet table with friends sitting around and laughing and telling jokes and saying, do you remember when that happened? (laughs) And they all ate to their fill, and it was wonderful. They shared their love for God and for each other, and they had such a pure, wonderful time with each other in the presence of God's Spirit that people were drawn to them. That's church. It's what it's supposed to be anyway. And the question of the month is, why are we here? And the answer that we get today is to grow together in faith so that the Holy Spirit can use us to lead others to God. And like we see in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit of God sent to the church by the risen Lord is truly with us all the time. Look at First Christian Church's finances. Updates are always included in the Friday reminders each week. I think they're in the the monthly uh, newsletter. On paper, this church should not exist. We should have closed our doors years ago. But God continues to provide. And because God wills it to be so, we're still here. Amen? This congregation is a living, breathing miracle and an example of God's abounding grace. And look at Frida and Donald. How they have been blessed and cared for by God. They have been through a dark time in the recent past. It has been a difficult few years. They have called out to God for help, and at times I suspect you have wondered where he was. But they weren't the only ones praying, were they? We, their church family, prayed too, and we hugged them, and we loved them, and encouraged them through their struggles, and God was with them the whole way, whether they knew it or not. And now they have closed on the sale of their land, which has provided the perfect home for them, the perfect vehicle that they can depend on, hot water, a comfortable bed, and so much more that most of us just take for granted. That is the power of a faithful community blessed by God's grace. And then there's Pete, who was homeless for a few months after his roommate double-crossed him earlier this year. And now, after much prayer, Pete's not here. He wanders. He has a traumatic brain injury. God continues to provide for him. But now, after much prayer and amazing help from his boss, he's living in a wonderful, safe, affordable place that he loves. And then there's Jana. She has diabetes, and she had that wound on her foot that wouldn't heal. Her doctor told her it would not heal on its own, and she was afraid of the risk of amputation. And so when Jana asked us to pray for her, we did, and when she was, went to have surgery on the wound, the surgeon informed her that the wound was healing and the surgery was not necessary. And today, it is completely healed, and you can barely even see a scar. Or what about Griffin and Larissa? Scraping their resources together and praying that they can find a car that they can afford, because that was a major necessity towards independence and marriage. 
And we prayed for them and with them. And unexpectedly, the perfect car at the perfect price was literally driven into their driveway one day. And now they have a car. And we have been praying for so many others. Matt, we have been praying for your great niece. How is she doing? She's home. We praised God about that last week. We pray for other things. We have praised God for so many answered prayers that I can't even remember them all. But that's what happens when we come together with the Spirit of God. We are guided. We are supported through hard times. We are blessed. And our lives become powerful testimonies to the world about the power and perfect grace of this Creator who loves us so much. As I mentioned earlier in the service, recently I've set a goal to meet with each of you to fellowship and pray with you. And I have had the opportunity to meet with several of you one-on-one in your homes. Oh, what a blessing. And a common theme that I'm hearing, especially from those who are still working and or raising children, is that you are feeling tired, overwhelmed, and burned out with life in general. I suspect this was the case. I suspected that this was the case since our overall attendance each week has been down so consistently this past year. I know you still love the church. I know you do. I've been in communication with all of you. But life has gotten in the way. So to hear you all talk about it one-on-one in person has been important to me as a pastor. And when I have asked some of you, when do you take time for Sabbath? Time for yourselves, for physical, psychological, and spiritual rest. When do you take time with God? The answer has been the same for everyone I've asked. I don't. Folks, life without Sabbath, without worship, without time set aside that is dedicated to rest or to nurturing your spiritual well-being and your relationship with God, that life is unsustainable. Your faith will suffer and life will begin to feel oppressive. Because it is the power of God that gives us the ability to persevere through the hard times. And it is the grace of God that delivers us into the great times. And it is the family of Christ that walks together with us through all of it. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added to the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Wonders and signs are being performed here in this congregation through the love of God. It is undeniable. It is a fact. We have witnessed it. We can document it. Imagine what would happen if we were all able to carve out more time for God in our personal lives, more time for God in the church, 
Imagine what could happen, not just in our personal lives, but in Anniston, which God knows needs prayer, and in Calhoun County and in Alabama and in the United States and the world. Imagine what would happen. Last week we had one of those awe-filled moments, I think, in worship. At least I did. As we sang together, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence around us and in me, and I teared up quite a bit throughout the service and even later after I went home. And I have been feeling for a while now that First Christian Church in Anniston and the Church Universal is about to experience a spontaneous revival of sorts, a great awakening. As I was told at the women's retreat a few weeks ago, God is about to do a new thing in the world and in the church, and I believe in our lives. We have already begun to experience it with all the answered prayers that we have received in the last year and even in the last few weeks. God is calling us together to be in his presence as often as we possibly can, and I know there are times when life does not let us gather. But there are times that we can say no when the secular world tells us we have to say yes. God is calling us to dedicate ourselves to the business of the church, which is not business, it's teaching, joyful fellowship, and prayers, and worship, all in the name of Christ our Lord, and all in the presence of God's precious spirit. I know life is hard, probably harder today than it has ever been in the history of humanity. There are more secular things pulling on us than there have ever been. And with cell phones, the world can get to us anytime, anywhere, any place. For those of you that work, your jobs are demanding more and more of your time without much compensation to make up for it. Life is getting more and more expensive, And our money is being stretched thinner and thinner. Schools are becoming more and more demanding of our children's time, and it is getting to feel like it is impossible to dedicate an hour to God, much less an entire day, as the Ten Commandments tells us to do. But God is calling us back to him, and it is possible to answer that call. Because all things are possible with Christ who loves us and strengthens us. Amen? All things are possible with Christ. There are things that we can do to limit the chaos. It is possible to say no to outside pressures and even to ourselves so that we can carve out time for God. Last night I was telling someone, if you can find five minutes to go in your room and lie down, to relax your hands and your eyes and your face and just say, I love you, God, and welcome the Spirit into your presence. Just five minutes a day is a start if you aren't, haven't been able to do that up until now. It is the absolute best thing that you can do for yourselves, for your children, for your marriages, for your mental health, your souls, and for the kingdom of God. God is calling us to dedicate ourselves 
to biblical teaching, to fellowship and breaking bread with one another, and to our prayers. And when we do that, everything else will fall into place. I hope and pray that God will guide you to a deeper relationship with him, that God will guide me to a deeper relationship with him. And I invite you to pray for the church, that this will be a place that nurtures your faith and your walk with Christ from this life into the next. And so as I close this sermon, I invite you to say with me again, like we did last week, I love you, God. Say, I love you, God. I love you, God. Amen. 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 Amen.